Blog Talk Radio. Did you know that everyone is born with psychic abilities? It's just a matter of knowing how to tap into it. Wouldn't it be great to have a podcast that can help? This is the Psychic Inside Show. Joel the Vibrarian on a higher frequency is on a mission to elevate, enlighten, and empower. We're all born with gifts and abilities, but not all of us recognize or accept them. Hear from people who've opened up to the psychic inside. You'll hear their fascinating stories, and we'll take a peek behind the veil, plus psychic readings and more. Our phone line is open. Dial 646-787-8436. That's 646-787-8436. This is the Psychic Inside Show. And now your host, Joel the Vibrarian. Hello? 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 Hello, this is Pat. 
Joel. Hello, can you all hear me now? Yes. Oh my this goodness, has anything Pat, has anything been heard at all the whole time? No, not that I'm aware of. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm gonna start all over again and let me see if I can get back on the show line. I can't really end. Thank you everybody who's patiently waiting. We're going to edit this part out before you read that voice. Hold on one second here. Okay, I cannot use the show line for whatever reason. It seems to be broken. So this is the Psychic Inside Show, and my name is Joelle. And (laughs) this is uh, technical difficulties. You would think that it's Mercury Retrograde, but it is not. Um, I'm here every week on the Psychic Inside Show. It's my opportunity to talk with people who have embraced particular spiritual or psychic gifts and abilities that some might call unanticipated or unexpected. I think we all have these psychic gifts and abilities, and so when I bring guests on, it's with the intention of showing other people what a particular journey might look like. So my guests each week are people that I encounter out in community, and my special the special guest this evening, I'm very excited because I came to awareness of who he was very recently, but he has already had a great impact on my life. So to give a little bit of backstory, I was uh, looking for recommendations for a QHHT practitioner. And QHHT is like a really cool modality. If you're out there in the consciousness world, you've probably seen people talking about having QHHT sessions. And I was looking for someone local in the Atlanta area because I wanted to do some past life healing work. And in one of the forums that I'm at, I asked, and this lady said, you know what, I haven't been to this person, but my good friend's boyfriend went, and he's not really into woo-woo stuff, and he said his session was awesome. (laughs) So that was like secondhand, uh, secondhand referral, but it was so positive that I went ahead and looked at the website. When I looked at his website, I was like, oh, my goodness, his story really resonated in an authentic way. And so what I did is I reached out to my guest, Pat Lynn, to book a session with him just a few weeks ago, and it was an amazing experience, and I'm super excited to have a conversation with you this evening, Pat, on the Psychic Insight Show. Welcome, welcome. Well, I'm excited to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Well, I tell you what, like this, you are exactly the kind of person that is um, someone that I hope to engage with for these stories because 
you have like a long journey that looks like something that a lot of people could really relate to. And by that, I mean, you did the corporate life thing and, you know, built your way up basically, went through all the stages of mature career to the tune that a lot of people in younger generations are never going to see as many years with the company as you did. And, of course, I'm referring to your life in uh, working for Brown. What can Brown do for you? You worked for UPS for how long? Yeah, I worked for them for 37 years. And (laughs) one of the interesting things about that career was I can not really think of any period of time that I didn't enjoy my work except at the very end. And I think that was really more of a message for me that I needed to move on to something different. But it was just a wonderful career. I was in the international function and traveled to almost every major city in the world and lived abroad for for several years. And um, so it was a wonderful career. I, I really enjoyed it. But you're right. I don't think a lot of the younger generation will stay with the company that long. <laughs> oh, no. And, like, you actually – what you were able to do is not necessarily available either. And by that, you started, like, started from the bottom, now we here. Like, you did the whole uh, – start to finish like what the American dream says that a person should be able to do. Yeah. And I think the other part of that dream that is uh, fleeting right now in the world (laughs) is that I did it without a college degree. So that Mm -hmm. was even more of an anomaly today because I know that a degree is almost required for everything. Um, but, yeah, and, and the other thing I always think about with respect to that job is that I, when I think back about what I was thinking about um, going into that job was how I had manifested the things that I wanted to happen. And I didn't realize at that time, and it probably wasn't even uh, termed that way in that time frame, but... I I looked back and I realized how I had manifested certain things to happen in my life, but it's funny at the time I really never thought of it in that uh, in that way. So you weren't in the mindset of I'm manifesting this, but it was certainly bringing to life some of your goals and visions you had for yourself. Yeah, and uh, really, specific, and really, the college degree part of it was interesting because in the time frame that I uh, did get promoted to uh, the highest level that I went in the organization, uh, it was required to have a degree, and I just didn't accept it. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I think sometimes we just have to. I just kept saying in my mind, it's just going to happen, you know, and I'm going to, I'm mm-hmm. going to do it. Mm-hmm. But it was really before I knew that that was really a spiritual aspect of our lives. I didn't really think of it in that term, mm-hmm. in, that, in that way. And 
like your American dream story. I kind of like go back to that because when you look at the narrative of how a person can really, with the opportunity and determination and vision, move themselves from regular everyday reality to uh, extraordinary reality of success and whatever that looks like for for the corporate type thing, right? Because you yeah. came from like farming roots in your upbringing in Utah, and then you yeah. wind up in the pinnacles of European uh, business working for an international yeah. company. That's quite a yeah. contrast. It was a big contrast, uh, but I think, you know, and as I've talked to more clients um, throughout the years, I somewhat felt like I had been born into the wrong life. <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I didn't like ranching. I didn't like any of the things having to do with that. Now I look back with some appreciation about it, but at the time I really didn't appreciate it uh, and didn't enjoy it. And my father and I mm-hmm. always argued about the fact that I was going to leave as soon as I possibly could. And um, mm-hmm. then years later when I went, uh, arrived in you know New York City at UPS's corporate office, I actually didn't feel like it was a strange place. I felt like I was at home. And mm-hmm. here's this huge city with all these, you know, moving parts and people and all types of things. And I felt like I was at home. So, mm-hmm. And do you I, think I, that, do you think that uncovered pieces of yourself that you've discovered through your QHHT and work speak to the resonance that you have with the urban or uh, city hub type of thing? Is there a past life connection for you? Yeah, there's um, there's some there's several ways that I think this information can come through. And I, as I've continued on in my practice, I really view the past life as we've really lived numerous past lives. I know a lot of people mm-hmm. will go back to one or two, but it's really mm-hmm. more than likely in the thousands of lives that we've mm-hmm. lived. And then mm-hmm. if you add on the different dimensions that we can exist in as a spiritual being, mm-hmm. then that multiplies it even more. So um, I felt that I had probably lived a life or lived in a big city or, you know, at some point. Um, And as I've gone through on my, some of my own sessions, um, it's even brought the possibility up of the living dual lives. So living, Mm -hmm. living multiple lives at the same time. And I know, I don't Mm -hmm. know if that gets far (laughs) down the road, but um, that is one of the things, one of the lives that I've, that has come to mind quite a bit is a life that I lived um, 
a dual life that I live in a different place that is a huge city and I work with people that are arriving there and a lot of them are afraid and coming from different places that they're they're kind of having to come to this city so that uh that life comes to me in my dreams and thoughts a lot so uh mm-hmm, when I went mm-hmm. to the first city like oh, okay this is where I'm supposed to be <laughs> so mm-hmm. but That's the intro was one of the go ahead I just think that we there's so many wonderful things and miracles that can happen in our lives that, you know, I, I think that when I work with clients, I think the thing that I see the most and the thing that I think of the most about myself was how limited my viewpoint of, of life was and what I was able to do, um, you know, I – I remember thinking back when I was a young child, maybe I would, because obviously I worked up in, worked in, or lived in a family where we did labor type work and so forth. And I thought, well, maybe I'd be able to save up enough money to go see Paris or see London. And mm-hmm. um, my life ended up being so much bigger than that. And I think that mm-hmm. when I, with clients, I think, I see very similar things where, you know, we kind of go in in the hypnosis and we heal that part of them that is limiting their thoughts about what their life Mm -hmm. can be. And Mm -hmm. I think my own life, when I think back about it, I, I view it as that was the healing part was to get rid of the limitations. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that uh, Dr. Brian Weiss writes about in Many Lives, Many Masters, which I highly recommend as a, as a book for people who are wanting to explore the concept of past lives, is that, you know, the operation of a belief system that exists before awareness in this our incarnation can be located or uncovered like you know you may not even be aware that this is running from previous things until you begin to follow the breadcrumbs and realize oh well this belief system is from this experience that I can identify very emotionally in my consciousness when I hear this story you know what I mean then yeah. you realize, oh, my God, I never even knew that this was running. But now in my present incarnation, I can connect the dots with a little yeah. bit of perspective, like you said, the perspective shift. Uh, yeah. Getting through the, the limitation of this lifetime is the it lifetime kind of thing is yeah. the concept I think that's hardest for people to move out of. The, the well, repetitiveness of the soul experience. Anytime we make a change, we always have to give something up. And it sounds like, you know, you're losing something. But what I mean by that and what the concept is that you're basically giving up a belief system of whatever it is that's blocking you from enjoying your life or being successful in what you're doing. So, 
I never really thought of it in that way. But anytime there's a change, we're giving something up. And, you know, a lot of times people are giving something up in relationships. A relationship breaks up and it leads to something different. I've had clients that have been fired from jobs and then they've been led to the job that they you know, that they've been, Mm -hmm. they enjoy and so forth. So Mm -hmm. when we go through our lives and we experience loss and things of that nature, we really have to ask God, um, what is, what, what is this opening up for me? What is this making room for? So, um, you know, so I just think that it's interesting to work with clients and to see. And when we go through our sessions, and you had a session, and we went through the healing of the body and the emotions and so forth, that is really giving up those things that we've held on to, which is some type of trauma, fear, or anger, or different things of that nature. And that will release you to, to move forward in your life and achieve the things you want to achieve. When you, you know, before we work with others, we work with ourselves, right? We're our own first patient-client experiment, right? So in terms of your experience transitioning from UPS, how did the QHHT enter your awareness and what was your goal in exploring it? Well, mine was somewhat out of necessity. I had, um, in when I had reached, I think I might have been 50 or just reaching 50, but I had had financial issues and I ended up, and this is in my video on my website, so I'm just kind mm-hmm. of... Um, repeating that as other people have seen it, but I ended up owing the IRS $235,000, I think, and I had to declare bankruptcy, and this bankruptcy lasted about six years, and the the whole span of it, and during that time, I was really angry, and probably angry at myself when I look back on it, but I was angry and disappointed, and life had not turned out the way that I thought it should. And I was still working with my coworkers uh, that were, you know, living in their big houses or buying their second house and living, you know, buying their luxury cars. And I was riding the bus back and forth to the office. So it was Mm -hmm. very demeaning and uh, disappointing. And I was really crazy love point in my life. And my daughter sent me uh, a video of Dolores Cannon, and I had watched it, and it just seemed to resonate with me and make sense. And at the time, I was working a lot in Tampa and spending the weekend there. And a lot of times on the weekend, I would go to Casadega. I don't know if anybody knows, if you know oh, about Oh, yeah, that. I've heard of it. Mm-hmm. So... I was still doing psychic work even during this time that I was, you know, very disappointed, but I'd go there and take classes or I would go there and just relax. And then one weekend I scheduled a QHHT session. And I think one of the misconceptions about it 
it's called quantum healing hypnosis technique, but I was more interested in the past life part of it. And just as a second thought, the uh, practitioner asked me what, you know, as she read through what I'd written up as things I wanted to accomplish was to get rid of these emotions that I had, certain emotions. And I just thought the session was just okay, and I had walked away, and I thought, well, I guess I've just made up this story, and, you know, I wasn't really that um, excited when I left. I mean, it was very nice and very nice to have somebody to talk to that was, you know, uh, non-judgmental, and she was a very nice lady. But within two months, I would say in a month, month and a half, two months, my, my viewpoint of life and my countenance had changed to such a degree that I just could not believe it. And um, so it was like you know, a, a, it was that big of a transformation point in 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 that short of a time. Was, yes, in, and in just one session. And the thing that we have to think about is that in the spiritual realm, things happen instantly. And, you know, we're always thinking that we've got to go through, you know, all these sessions to just work on things. And and what's interesting about faith and these other uh, ideas that we have in the spiritual realm is that, you know, when you have faith, you don't, you rely on uh, a higher power to do something. And I guess my subconscious was just ready for a change for me to change. And I think that I spiritually was ready to change. And yeah, I did, my life was just totally different. And so many things happened after that. It was just unbelievable. And so I decided then at that time, I think I worked for UPS another three years and, but, through that time, I decided that I wanted to be a practitioner when I retired. And I really didn't mm-hmm. have any idea what I was going to do in retirement. <laughs> so it ended up being a, a very satisfying uh, second or, you know, job for me in my retirement. Yeah, and you said that certain puzzle pieces fell into the place in terms of the picture. Uh, that you were perceiving of your reality. Yeah. And thing, I think you had shared that there were things that you weren't even thinking you were addressing that within that period of time afterwards you were like, wow, okay. Yeah. Hello yeah. issue. <laughs> well, and, you know, I and the, the woman that wrote the first book on death, uh, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, I think it is. Kubler-Ross, yeah, uh, death and dying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just recently had gone back and read some stuff. I was trying to help someone. Um, oh, on she grief? Talked about, yeah, on grief, and she talked about that there's mm-hmm. really only two directions of emotion, fear and love. And when we live in fear, there's so many branches off of the fear branch. You know, there's anger uh, because we're afraid, and there's just a lot of different um, negative emotions that we can 
have when we're when we're going down that path and it's really the fear of uh confronting the self that we are and uh, you know, once you confront the self and truth and you confront it in a spiritual way, then you, you forgive yourself for the things that you've done mm-hmm. and you forgive others. I went through a period where I went back to, you know, everyone and wrote a list out and uh, asked these people to forgive me for the things that I had done mm-hmm. in the past. And I see this in mm-hmm. a lot of my clients that they really get to a an awareness of the thoughts that they have and how their thoughts and how their actions have created the circumstances in their life, in relationships, in jobs, and all types of things. And I think that's one of the mm-hmm. biggest things that I see in all of my clients is the release of fear and then the awareness of their thoughts and the things that are going through their mind. Mhm. I mean, that and is, like you said, it, it is switching a light switch. It's literally, once you view something from a certain way, you may not stay in that perspective, but you can't go back to seeing it how it was before, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. And I don't and, think you know, we know when we're stepping through one of those moments until afterwards. Right. <laughs> right. And then you you step outside of yourself or outside of the circumstances and you're like, you know, I'm the one that's deciding that I'm so miserable. <laughs> I'm right, the one right. creates this, you know, because you know, uh a luxury car doesn't make you happy. A second house doesn't make you happy. But in my mind it was like I was afraid and angry because I could see all these things around me, things that I once had and I didn't have them any longer. So that self of, you know, the that self that I had built up uh, surrounding these material things was not really myself. It really wasn't my true spiritual mm-hmm. self. And once I realized that, I was like, you know what, I don't really care. I enjoy riding the bus because I can – you know, think about things. I don't have to worry about traffic or driving. And, you know, mm-hmm. I just start looking at life mm-hmm. in a different <laughs> And you're, that flowed into your work environment then as well. There was like a trickle up or trickle out kind of fear, uh, experience energetically as you were making your transition to leave. Yeah. It, you know, and I have, and I, a lot of times with my younger clients, uh, either in hypnosis or the psychic work that I have, um, it's very hard to explain to people because we get so caught up in our life circumstance that the first person that has to change in the situation is you. And, you know, a lot of people don't like to hear that. And I really didn't want to hear it either. But I did come to an awareness that I was the one that was creating the conflict in my life. And once I looked at everybody as a spiritual being around me, things changed dramatically in my work. And I remember one time at the very end of my career, I was working on a project and 
we were writing a business case and it took two years to do this project and we would go through different committees and present what we were doing and then they would tell us, you know, well, you need to go back and look at this or that. And I remember a gentleman that I'd worked with for probably 25, maybe 30 years. I had always disliked this guy for some reason. Uh, We just never got along. He was in engineering. I was in sales and customer service. And I remember walking out of that meeting and running into him in the hallway, and he said to me, um, I, you know, I hear that you guys have some more work that you need to do on your project, and I have an intern coming in on Monday. Would that be helpful to you? And mm-hmm. I really almost broke into tears because <laughs> I thought of how awful mm-hmm. I had been. I had thought about this person for all these years, and here he's coming to help me. But that's just a pretty drastic example of how life how life changes once you change and start looking at mm-hmm. other people's love and compassion, and your energy changes the whole environment. Mm-hmm. Well, and it changes your whole internal environment when you you first reflect that compassion and lack of judgment, you know, non-judgment, non-judgmental loving and acceptance for self. And then you can yeah. do it for the rest of the world too, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's a no. it's a it's a journey though, and you know these are uh, you know. We can think about these things theoretically, but actually being in it and having to to do it uh, is really it's a it's a miracle to be able to have a technique to help us do that, or to have a guide to help us do that in our lives. And uh, but once you get into that uh, into that realm you just realize that everything's possible. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that the things that are coming forth are things we never even had a framework to create a possibility for. So that's yeah. part of also what people are kind of stepping into is the from scratch. <laughs> Nobody's ever done yeah. this before. Yes, you know, kind yeah. of thing. Even with the healing modality of, you know, QHHT, there's an expansion and evolution as people kind of add it to their own tool belts and begin to use the, the way that she taught in a blended way with yeah. some of your own services, you know, and I know that that's just part of the natural expansion of knowledge because we are bringing in these QHHT sessions are bringing in a huge amount of valuable information for the collective, not just for the individuals who are having these sessions. And that's one of the cool parts too, <laughs> you know, yeah. accessing the higher super consciousness. It does change. It changes. It's almost like uh, getting into a new car because your your countenance has changed and the spiritual aspect of yourself has changed in your mindset. And it's almost like getting into a new car. And then as you go through 
because we're all we're always going to go through challenges as long as we live in the material world and so what's fun about it after you go through one of these you know realizations is that the next time you encounter something you you can view and realize how differently you're handling this situation than you would have you know before and that is another aspect of it and you know the relationships we have with people, how we handle conflict, how we handle arguments, all these different types of things. We're in a new car now. We're in a new body. We're in a new mindset. And you realize how little some of these things mean that we felt that were so important before. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think that that's – and I've gone through several iterations of that, I mean, in in large changes, even since QHHT. And I'm just always – Well, that's that. right. You know, I would love to uh, – if you're open for it, I would love for you to share about your NDE, which is, I mean, if ever there's another transformative perspective changing experience, not only have you had the hypnosis revelations, but you've gone through uh, what, NDEs, near death. I mean, like, yeah, I'm, I'm quite you know, fascinated, and for you to share about that, that it's a pretty recent experience, isn't it? Yeah, June of last year. Um, you know, I, I we think it's interesting when we uh, and I grew up in or in organized religion, and we think you know we're going to go to heaven, and we're you know these are the things that are talked about, and there's nothing wrong with that. But the interesting thing about I think us as spiritual beings is that it never ends; that we are always going into an environment or an experience that's going to help us if we allow it to help us. Um, and, you know, I, and I think sometimes when I get a, even around other folks that are in the healing arts and or healing type practitioner um, environment, you know, a lot of times I think that we kind of, subconsciously think that we've reached a plateau and we're here and we know everything and all these types of things. And, um, we really don't, we, there's nobody that's the authority. There's people that have some expertise in certain areas, but nobody's the complete hundred percent authority really on anything. But, um, this summer I had, uh, I, lived in Scottsdale and one of the favorite things that I love to do out out in the West. And if anybody's been to Arizona, they would understand it, but I love hiking and um, I'm from Arizona. And so I, I always call myself a desert rat. The heat does not really bother me. So I was out on a June day uh, last year, and I was hiking. One of my favorite hikes is up Camelback Mountain, and you get up and can see the entire city, a 360-degree view. And I had wanted to do some filming for my YouTube channel. And um, I got 
to the top of the to the mountain and then as I was getting ready to come back down, um, I realized that I didn't have as much water as I thought that I that I had anticipated that I would have because it was a very hot day. And so as I as I started to go down, I was not able to walk more than 20 feet or so and had to rest. And I just thought I was um, getting dehydrated was the thought that I had in my mind. But it took me three hours to get down the mountain. And I finally got to the bottom of the mountain. And at the very end of the trail, there's a, a big rock and then you kind of go around it. And then there's the trail that leads to the end. And I heard a voice and I was so, I was very weak and I just was laying down and resting and then getting up and trying to walk. And I heard a voice when I got to this rock and it said, don't stop when you go down this, uh, when you get to the end of this trail, just keep going. And so I did. And I got to the end of the trail and, uh, got some water out of the vending machine there and laid down in my car. And I realized that I was really in much worse shape than I thought I was in. And I just began going into this um, realm where, and it's all these things were coming to me about my life, about, things that had happened to me in my life. And I then I start. it scared me because I, then I recognized this is what you do when you're getting ready to die. Mm. And mm-hmm. so I had all this information, <laughs> the, the sacredness of that mountain and the Native Americans. And I thought about, I had a vision of my mom making me chocolate pudding when I was six years old and all that. And I thought, you know what? I'm dying. I'm, something's happening. And I saw a uh, vision of uh, one of these old uh, film projectors and the film going around really, uh, it had ended and just kind of flopping around the reel. And then I was really worried and I realized, I just kept thinking, wow, this life has gone really fast. It's gone so fast. I just can't believe that it's over. And at the time, I just asked God, I said, I, I don't want to die. And I don't, you know, I, I remember thinking that in my mind and, and, and not wanting to die after some being confronted with it. So I got back to my place, don't remember driving back, um, and took a shower and laid down. And about three hours had passed, and I just kind of woke up. And that voice again was telling me, you need to go to the hospital. And so I went Mm -hmm. to the hospital and I was having a heart attack and they put a stent in and I was in there for three days. But the interesting part of that was that afterwards, um, after that happened, I I think during those three days, I was just kind of reacting to the trauma but then when I left the hospital and began to drive home, I was just a mess with respect to being emotional. And then over the mm-hmm. next few days, I started getting information about the angels that had been there that had helped me. And it 
it's still an emotional process for me to even talk about. But um, mm-hmm. the thing that was so incredible about it was these angels, and they were Native American um, angels, and mm-hmm. they were the most beautiful thing that I've ever seen and probably will ever see until I probably pass over into that realm. But they, um, so they, to me in the next days, and they told me that they were the ones that had um, told me to not stop, that they had carried me down to the bottom. They had Mm -hmm. driven me to my home or had been with me to protect me. And uh, they were typically there to usher people into the spiritual realm after they died, but I refused to go. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I I was kind of comical in a way with respect to that. But, yeah, uh, and I think what was so profound about that was that I felt so small in some ways and large in other ways. And the Mm -hmm. smallness was that, I was so protected. I had that feeling and these angels took care of me and, and they were so beautiful and I just still Mm. cannot really describe how, how they were and so much love from them that it was like your royalty to us. And it wasn't just me. It Mm. looked like every human being is royalty to us. Mm -hmm. And, um, Mm. and then, to be able to think that you make the decision, I'm going to live, I'm going to ask God to live, and I'm, my request is going to be granted, I guess, was something that mm-hmm. was kind of shocking. Mm-hmm. So anyway, mm-hmm. I hope that was too long a description. No, no, it is. I mean, it is so fascinating, of course, for those of us that have always like kind of followed the idea of reincarnation, then it's very affirming uh, for, you know, in terms of the belief systems around whether it will be a positive experience or negative experience. When people share about this, the consistent thing I have heard over and over again is that it is an indescribable feeling of, love or positivity or acceptance and and just the best feeling of anything they've ever experienced. I've never heard anybody say they went screaming in pain and it was the most agonizing, hellish, tormented 10 minutes of their life. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. I've heard people talk about the pain they experienced when they saw their life in the life review moment and got to yeah. experience it the path that they left in a real way. But other than that, I, I, it should make a people feel better, <laughs> you know, if you, if you listen to stories like yours. Yeah, it, you know, and it really just makes you look at everything. I And I heard I was watching something on TV about a near-death experience this guy had, and he really explained it really well. But it was just like everything was miraculous. You know, you just looked at everything in a different, it was almost like you're looking at life with different eyes afterwards. And mm-hmm. uh, I, you know, I looked at my family in such a different way that they were so miraculous individually, each and every one of them in their own way. And mm-hmm. I, 
am still in that mindset. I hope I don't lose it because it, and I don't think that I will, but um, it is just such an amazing experience to feel that love from the spiritual realm, from the angels, and to know that that's the place where we are spiritually. Our spiritual beings Mm -hmm. exist in that environment that we really are the ones that get away from it with our, mm-hmm. you know, thoughts about the physical world and everything. That That's really where we exist is in that, ex- that dimension of love and, and acceptance. And importance, the importance of our journey. I really got a big message about that. And then, um, one of the other elements that was the element of truth, and I really am still trying to decipher that, but there was a lot, there was a dimension that I went to that was about truth and all unhappiness in the world world relates to untruths, and a lot mm-hmm. of the problems we create in our lives is the untruth about who we think we are or what we are or mm-hmm. what we think other people are. So it started to make a lot of sense that truth was really something that comes from the spiritual realm, and it's a positive thing. We need to look at ourselves in truth, other people in truth, and so Mm -hmm. forth. Mm -hmm. Yes. I mean, and like you said, the truth shall set you free. Uh, you know, I kind of think of the end of Truman Show. I just got a glimpse of that, you know, spoiler alert. Yeah. You know, as he yeah. realizes yeah. that he's con- uh, falsely constructed truth and begins yeah. to deal with the the shocking reality behind it. And then, you know, at the end he decides, you know what, I, I don't care. I'm going to, whatever it will be, I'm going to step into the real of anything that's yeah. beyond this threshold that I'm stepping into, you know. Yeah, and we live, and I think especially in our country, and I've traveled all around the world, but we really live in a, a environment that is kind of spoon-fed to us that this is what happiness is and this is the way that you should live and so forth. But the, the truth, and I think it causes suffering in some ways. Um, but I also know when, when I was think in this uh, dimension was that the majority of arguments that people have and disagreements with other people is based on assumptions that we have about what that other person's intentions were. Mm-hmm. And we don't mm-hmm. any intentions were. <laughs> We just get mad at them Mm -hmm. and we argue and we create a, you know, and um, so that's an untruth, right? So we're looking at an earth person and that's really not the truth about what they intended. But we've made up this entire story and we're angry and we add to the story and whether the story's true or not is enough, you know, so, uh, yeah. It is a very um, sobering concept, the concept of truth and the suffering comes from untruth. So I'm mm-hmm. still trying to figure out how to put it all together. <laughs> but 
But well, um, and I think that's part of where people get uh, angry. For one, you know, what uh, is the five stages of grief? Like anger, denial, <laughs> uh, bargaining, yeah. right? Like this can't be true, but it, is, it can't be true. You know, oh, that's some bullshit. You know, I mean, like we all have kind of gone through that as part of the awakening process, I think, to varying degrees, right? Uh, that's yeah. part of what we're doing. It's part of the, what the Aquarian energy is to step out of those rigid structural institutional frameworks into individualized conceptualism. So I think we're on track to that. (laughs) Well, you can't. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. The, the other part of that too, is that we make a decision when we go into different, and this is difficult, I think for a lot of us to, to, conceptualize but we really make the decision to go into anger or we make the decision to go into sorrow about our circumstance or whatever the emotion whatever the negative emotion is um you know and the primary ones are fear anger guilt and shame so you've got those emotions but we and i think what came out of that near-death experience was that we make a decision to go into those emotions and we add to the story uh it's like when we meet someone new that we want to date or you know we want to get to know we we kind of end up making up this story about what they're about and sometimes the things are not necessarily true about that person Mm -hmm. it's something to be true but we do the same thing in the opposite direction when we're angry with somebody we make up this entire story about who they are and what they are and that again Mm -hmm. gets proof the aspect so um yeah that that's a tough one even for me today is to uh, to recognize you know and sometimes i will recognize it like you're making the decision to be angry about this and we can still go in and resolve issues or confront things or do things that need to, or, you know, correct things that need to be corrected. But it's the intention of what you're trying to do is, is the root of it. If your intention is just to correct it, if your intention is just to create a scene and make it, and just punish that other person, do what, it, you know, these are the aspects of anger and we decide to do those things um and like i said even for me now i'm like okay i've decided to feel this way uh you know it's an awareness mm-hmm. now when you like working backwards chronologically then like did you have it enhanced or difference in what you would call your psychic awareness since the NDE? It seems that I've been more, yeah, I would say that it seems like it's been more enhanced uh, or more emphasized, um, the psychic part. And just to, uh, you know, I've been doing psychic mediumship work for probably 20 Mm -hmm. years. And I've been right. doing QHHT for seven. So, and I used to do 
um, you know, tarot cards and mm-hmm. I would do it at parties, you know, and it was mainly for entertainment and, you know, people would be surprised that you knew this or that. And, um, so, but now, and I got out of it when I was focusing on the QHHT and getting my practice going there, but I've gotten back into it with some clients that have been referred, um, and, the information that I use now is information I ask spirit to provide to me. It's not there for entertainment or, you know, right. how to mm-hmm. do No, <laughs> you know, it's like, right. what do I say to this person to help them? Um, and so that's really, it's kind of a different intention of being a psychic than just entertaining people at a party. Yes, absolutely. That's why I wanted you to walk backwards because I know that you're not, uh, you always kind of walk with an awareness that other people might not have had, even at the time when you were young, right? Yeah, yeah. I feel like, you know, and I've thought back about I. During this near-death experience and afterwards, it's you just kind of go back and start looking at every single thing that's happened to you and have you been truthful, untruthful, how did I create this? And you just start analyzing a lot of things, I think, and, um, and it's an ongoing process. But I remember being eight years old and standing out on the playground and, and wondering if this was an illusion if the physical world around me was an illusion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, it was kind of interesting at eight years old that I would be asking that question. So I right. think you're right. We, and I think that we all have those experiences that we just don't recognize them sometimes. Right. And for young children especially, uh, things like uh, – invisible be like what we would call your invisible friends that are not so invisible that are tangible um feeling yeah. especially children tend to i think have this clairsentience very strongly where they feel everything and they may not have the language to uh, articulate what's happening but they their spidey senses are going off and, you know and that can be yeah. kind of stressful uh, the astral travel or lucid lucid dreaming a lot of kids do, and there kind of comes a, a time when then it's shut down for either fear or repression or practical purposes. Did, yeah. did you have an overly spiritualistic religious upbringing? Well, I was, I, it wasn't spiritualistic. It was, a, you know, a traditional uh organized religion um you know and coming along with that with most of the organized religions was sin and born into sin and Mm -hmm. hell and Mm -hmm. all those different things um i think that i always knew that there was something more but I was really focused on the material aspects of life once i got into my 20s and I was mm-hmm. just wanting 
be, you know, successful and have this car and that car and so forth. So I think I got distracted do you think from, you, from that. What well, do you think you were using your intuitive gifts in a way to be successful in the workplace? I th- I I believe that I was. I think that I was and didn't really realize it. Um, and there were several things that I did in my career that really, um, you know, kind of elevated my. Um, uh, it elevated me to levels of the like the management committee and different things like that where. I had created um, a different way of training. I remember there was a period of time that we were training people internationally, and I created a different way to do that. And I think back about that now, and I think that was probably a spiritual, you know, aspect Mm -hmm. of who Mm -hmm. was. And, yeah, there's a few. I haven't thought back about all of them. That's one that kind of stands out. but, yeah, I think I was using my spiritual capabilities in a lot of things, and mainly, and a lot of times in relationships. I think my relationships with people was probably the thing that I was able to do uh, fairly well, and I think that that was also probably a spiritual, um, creating that spiritual energy of friendship, those types mm-hmm. of things. So, yeah, I I believe that I was. Now when you are working with the people who come to you, you you provide like a a variety of services, as you said, all with the spiritual intention of, of helping a person transform themselves. So other than, well, of course, there's the typical Q. Well, I guess there's nothing typical about it, but a QHHT session, which is what I had, which uh, you do those in person primarily. Are you doing phone QHHT? No, or uh, primarily? I yeah. only do in person. We only do that. We're instructed to only do it in person, and I um, and I agree with that. I think that you know in the steps of the session, there has to be some mm-hmm. trust that is built up between the practitioner and the person coming to them. Uh, and that is done personally, uh, I think, in a better way. Um, so that's always done. One of the things about QHHT that is um, that I think is different than the psychic, I mean, I can explain and help somebody in a psychic way, but QHHT is really, um, you have to be willing to accept responsibility for your life. And I think that that is something that um, people walk away from, whether it's illness that's been created, bad relationships, or all different types of things, is that um, accepting responsibility for our life 
is one of the aspects of QHHT that really comes to the forefront. And I've had clients that have not been able to do that, and it's been difficult for them because they haven't been necessarily maybe honest about some of the things that have, they've gone through, the things that they feel, and they're not – once you open that up and you open yourself up to accept everything that's happened to you and accept it with – love and compassion, then you're able to really experience all the effects of the QHHT session. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so and and so in the psychic world, you know, then I'm the channel that's trying to bring those things to the person's attention. You know, how to to accept things and to forgive themselves for things and things like that. Where in QHHT, as you go through your session, you may do that in your session. You may realize mm-hmm. that you have to forgive yourself. And, and it's more in-depth, I would say. It's a, You're really going into a different dimension of who you are. What? And I think I'm remiss here because there are listeners, I'm sure, who may not even know what uh, QHHT is, just from my little cursory uh, review at the beginning. So would you share what what it's all about? Quantum healing hypnosis technique was developed by Dolores Cannon over – a number of years, she wrote 19 books on um, her clients and some of the information that came through. And this actual technique came through um, her information that she gained about, um, you know, the spiritual realm and what we are, who we are, why we're here, and so forth. Um, and the QHHT session is, uh, it's, there's several parts to it. The One of the parts, the first part of it is doing an interview with the client and really going through a, a life interview, which if you think about it, you very rarely have to tell somebody about your whole life or you get the opportunity to tell somebody about your entire life. And I never hurry up that process. I never try to make that quicker than it is. It could be two or three hours that somebody goes through um, their entire life and the things that have happened to them and the traumas they've experienced and different things of that nature. And sometimes even through that interview, people will come to realizations about things um and their their mindsets about how how they think and um i remember one client telling me that he had never been happy in his entire life and i said but you mm-hmm. just told me minutes ago that you enjoyed going and staying with your grandmother it was always a happy time to go stay with her in florida and to go to the beach and everything and he goes you know what, that might be my problem. <laughs> so, you know, there, 
sometimes there's some realizations that people have even in that part of the aspect of the session that mm-hmm. is uh, very it can be very helpful then we go into the actual hypnosis session after that I'll take notes or the person will bring a list of things that they want worked on uh, mentally emotionally or physically that they want healed uh, or they want answers um, and when you mentioned earlier, there's children that have, I have a lot of clients that have had dreams or, you know, images of people in their bedroom when they were a child that scared them. And then when we go into their session, these were spirits there to protect them and to help them mm-hmm. perceive them to be, you know, negative or it was frightening to them, which is understandable. Right. Um, right. So we go into the actual induction and the hypnosis. We go to a past life or um, or a life uh, that may not even be a physical life. It could be a life in a different dimension. Uh, it could be a life where you're mm-hmm. an alien. You're helping to uh, maintain a planet or something of that nature. But mm-hmm. there's many different types of lives you can go into. And one of the things that's come to me in the last couple of years is that in the induction, we talk about we're going to go back and back before this particular life that we're in. And I had always had a little bit of um, apprehension about saying going back because I have people that go to lives where they're living a more in a more technologically advanced environment or world or, you know, mm-hmm. in different things. But what I've realized is that when you look back before this life, we're in a environment, we're in a spiritual uh, realm where there is no time, where time doesn't exist. Time exists in our physical world, but when we go back to before we came to this life, we lived in an environment where there was no time. So that's mm-hmm. why that's why people can go to um a life where it's more advanced or they can go into uh where they were what we would call aliens which i always say we're the ones that are aliens on the planet the aliens are actually the ones that <laughs> built it <laughs> right. and maintain right so you know it's like we're the aliens here we're, you know i always think it's funny that they call the air force out or whoever to you know protect us and all this kind of thing and that those are the people that are actually affecting us in the universe. <laughs> so, right. But anyway, so we'll we'll go into that. We'll go into what we'll we'll um, discover and explore whatever that life is or whatever that existence is, and then we'll go and we'll ask to speak to the higher self or the subconscious of that individual. And then we'll go through and get answers to things that they've had questions about. Uh, we'll go in and heal things mentally or emotionally. Like, as an example, what happened to me, we can also heal physically. Uh, I've had numerous clients that have had healings of different pains and things that they've had for years and years. 
And a lot of times those pains and the things that we have happening within our body are related to emotional things that we're holding within us. The, it's energy that's mm-hmm. being held within us. And so, um, and Dolores talks about that a lot, where we hold things within us and then we create these things that happen within our bodies, aches and pains or different things of that nature. And um, so we go through that part of it. We go through the healing, and then we have a post-discussion afterwards. So this process can be about four hours. I've had some (laughs) six or seven hours, and Mm -hmm. I never book more than one client in a day because I want to be able to go as long as that client needs to talk or you know, be within or go through a healing process, I'll take as long as it takes to go through that. But that's how it works. I found and it to I, be a very, it was a very intense, but not stressful. It was just highly, I was really, woo, amped up, you know, uh, <laughs> to come. I was super yeah. excited. And then the connection was strong in our conversation in the first part as well. And so I look forward to having additional sessions uh, because I guess that is kind of like a a comfortable relationship that develops just like with any other therapist. Like, you know, okay, we got the preliminaries now. Now let's do some more work now, you know. (laughs) Yeah. And work on, you know, it's kind of like we get into more uh, details about sometimes we're trying to resolve, you know, overarching problems. And then as we get into it, there's other things that come up and we're like, I wish I could, you know, this is. And when I get into my uh, write down my or work on my vision board, most of my vision board is about developing myself spiritually and emotionally and within relationships with other people, you know, and um, in years past, it was always like, you know, you put the car up there in the house and Mm -hmm. the clothes. Mm -hmm. Now it's more like this year I want to work on resentment or I want to work on, you know, uh, anger and not, have anger or just have momentary anger and not incorporate it into who I am. And it's surprising the number of clients that they have incorporated a resentment to another person or to their past or something. They've incorporated mm-hmm. that into art and it just changes their whole countenance. Mm-hmm. Of their, mm-hmm. um, momentary anger you know, we all get angry at things momentarily, but when we incorporate that into our body and into our spiritual being and we turn it into resentment and then we start feeding it and we talk about it to Mm -hmm. everybody we know. Mm -hmm. You know, I was raised in a dysfunctional family. I don't know any human being that's 100% functional, so (laughs) our parents are probably (laughs) all dysfunctional in some way mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. um and that's a, that's one of the other things that i think a lot of people begin to realize and i've realized is that my life is my life is obviously unique to me 
But many of the things that I've gone through in my life, many other people have gone through similar things. And um, and I think that's why what you're doing and getting in smaller groups that get together once a month or whatever and sharing what we're going mm-hmm. through is so helpful mm-hmm. because then we realize we're not alone. You know, we're not alone in this right. process. And I really believe that as we go forward into this Aquarian age, Pluto goes into Aquarius at the middle of this month or the end of this month. But I think we're going to get away from these huge organizations and sitting in, you know, a building with thousands of other people Mm -hmm. um, in, you know, church environment or whatever. And, we'll be in smaller groups of maybe 15 or 20 people where we mentor other people. We get together and talk Mm -hmm. about experiencing day to day. And this is where our education will come from about the spiritual realm. And if we Mm -hmm. think back, people are going back to, you know, the the medicine man and, you know, all the Mm -hmm. different. Yeah. People are like, I want to go back and see how that works. And, you know, mm-hmm. that was something people came up with thousands of years ago, and people want to go back and experience it now. Or but, forward yeah, that, and experience, okay. <laughs> right? What's yeah. uh, old is new it, and new is old. It has probably been the most satisfying thing I think I've ever done in my life um, to be able to see, you know, and I think spirit has allowed me to not incorporate the issue. I It's almost like once the client leaves, I don't have thoughts about the things that they've gone through, and I've heard some pretty horrific stories. But mm-hmm. it's just been amazing that spirit, I think, allows that to be released from me. I don't take it on as my own issues and problems. Mm-hmm. But then I hear back from clients about how their life has changed in a couple of months and they text me and tell me mm-hmm. they quit the they hated or they're you know, they've been wanting to get divorced for fifteen years and they finally did it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. uh, and you know, different things where fear has caused you to stay in something that you don't want to be in, you know, mm-hmm. and that's where the fear, uh, the fear element comes in to all of our lives. I think we all are continually yeah. working on faith, uh, where, you know, money and all the things that we have to work on every day, doing our taxes, all these things are just so distracting a lot of times from the spiritual realm, but we still have to do them. And uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with all of its ups and downs. But, yeah, QHC well, and... is wonderful. Um, it is just a really wonderful uh, technique, and I think it can really help anybody. I think that when you come to a QHHT session, I think your higher self and your subconscious has led you mm-hmm. to that decision because you're ready to yeah to learn or to acknowledge more and understand more. I absolutely agree because I had it in my consciousness. I know a couple of my 
my tribe who are listening this evening has been in the consciousness for several years, but it was just yeah. not ripe. And when it was ripe, it was ready, and I could do what I was able to do. And I know that there will be another time when it comes ripe again because now it's something that I'm aware of and know how to access and have a trusted practitioner, yay, (laughs) Uh, you know, and uh, I do think it is a good thing to have other sessions. You know, this is not the only past life work that I've done. I've had different kinds of shamanic and regressive and hypno and QHHT and or you know, and then my yeah. own work, uh, kind of coming information coming through. So once you let your guides know you're open to resolving things that you may not have wanted to see before, then they're like, oh, okay, well here you go, <laughs> here, yeah. check this yeah. out, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and they show us unto ourselves as we are ready to uh, to see it. I think to receive it. And Pat, you. Your website here is uh, patlin.com, P-A-T-L-I-N-N.com. And is that the best way for people to get in touch with you? Yeah, they can email me or um, call me. They can text me or however they want to get a hold of me. And I'll be glad. Okay, what's your number? Um, The phone number? Yes. What's the best number yeah, for the, people to reach? Four zero four three zero seven four nine one three. Okay. And I'll get to you and right away. I've still got that corporate mindset. <laughs> you know, I've got to <laughs> get back to somebody within a period of time, a short period of time. Well, you know that's old school because nowadays corporations don't do any of those proper handling and etiquettes we learned back in our days. So, <laughs> Effective in uh, communication, you know. But um, I definitely can say that I appreciated the work that I've done with you and the things that you've shared. And there's more to you than we can cover in this time period. And you're definitely evolving into ever more. And that's the cool part about it. So. Pat, I really appreciate you coming on this evening and and sharing about yourself with the listeners. Thank you for inviting me. And I I greatly enjoyed meeting you and hearing about the work you're doing. And I really believe what you're doing as far as your show and getting people together. I think one of the most common things that I hear from people is that they don't have anybody to talk to about their spiritual mm-hmm. you know, advancement. And I think you're doing a wonderful thing by having this. Oh, well, somewhere somebody's going to hear the story and say, oh, my gosh, I never would have thought. I work at UPS. I didn't even <laughs> know there was somebody there, you know. So that's, uh, um, yeah. I know why spirit has led me to have these conversations. And plus, this I just really get to talk to and meet wonderful and amazing people like yourself. And uh, now I will tell you tomorrow, Pat, on my YouTube channel, I have my show In the Cards with the Vibrarian. It's a live talk about, I just, you know, pull out decks from my collection. I talk cards. And so tomorrow I'm going to be looking at two of my reincarnation decks, the reincarnation awakening far memory 
oracle cards. So I'm going to pull cards for myself and everybody else who joins. If you have a moment, pop in. I would love to throw a card and see what past life comes up and what comes out. But, you know, I definitely uh, will continue to share your information with my friends and network as far as I can because I definitely experience a personal value from the work that I did with you. <laughs> and I like giving my own vote of confidence. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. And send me the information on your uh, your gathering tomorrow. I would love to okay. uh, be a part of it. Uh, you know, awesome. the past month. I definitely, I definitely <laughs> will. Maybe we can get you on video with us. I do a live Zoom, so I'll send you the link, and uh, that would be so much fun. <laughs> but uh, well, and of course, if you want to throw some cards too, you can always pull out one of your decks, and you know. <laughs> you know, I I don't I don't use a deck anymore. I've uh, in the last probably two years, I've just kind of. You know, I haven't used the deck that much, and um, but I, I've come into some information about the tarot and how it was developed and everything, and I am very interested in the different cards and what they mean and so forth. So I've just oh, done well, it. cool. Yeah, well, I will definitely send you the information, and everybody else is on the Vibrary. That's V I B E R A R Y, and that's my YouTube channel. And you can check out the oh. podcast. This episode will be up there shortly, and uh, all the lives and other readings and things that I've done. And next week on the Psychic Inside Show, my guest is Micah. Sage, Micah Sage Tarot, and they will be joining me for another conversation about the journey opening to psychic gifts and abilities, and Micah will be offering readings during the last half of the show, so for those of you who tune in in order to connect for guidance, make a note, next week we got readings. (laughs) Oh, Go ahead. Let me know. I would be willing to do one of those two if you ever wanted me to do readings. I can do that as well. Um, okay. So, yeah. Wonderful. I love it. I love it. Yes, because I definitely want to share some of your messages that you got from the other side in another episode. I didn't. Like I said, there was sure. so much to talk about. <laughs> I know there are. There is so, and I just wanted to mention that I practice. I. I split my time between Scottsdale and Atlanta, so some oh, okay. weeks or some months, some months I'm in Scottsdale, some months I'm in Atlanta. So just for your uh, listeners, that you know. Oh, that's awesome! Come, I do know, I do know some yeah. tribe out in the Scottsdale area, so I will definitely forward this information to them as well. So, and okay. uh, people can, again, there's a form on your website that you can contact Pat, like I did, and he is very prompt yeah. and professional in getting back to you. So, well, Pat, thank you so much. And to each of you listening, thank you for tuning in. I'm wishing you an absolutely blessed week and that those blessings just overflow from your arms to spill out and bless the world around you. The light in me absolutely honors the light in you. Namaste.